Hey, hey, what's up, my people? Yo, B Thanks here, back for another episode of the All Things Bengals podcast. Um, had a very eventful weekend of Bengals football. Uh, posting this on Monday night, recording this on Monday night. Um, Bengals had an off day on Sunday and today. I think they're going to have one. Yeah, they're going to have one tomorrow as well um, because Tuesday, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, final roster cutdowns to 53 from 80 80 to 53 from Sunday to Tuesday by 4 p.m. That's been the deadline for, for all these teams in the league. 27 guys on each team are getting cut down. So lots of guys are going to have lovely three-day off days and return to practice on Wednesday. And unfortunately, many guys will be left teamless after 4 p.m. on Tuesday. Um, And I will get into some fringe roster guys, some obvious guys who are not going to make the team later in the podcast. But off top, um, guys, it's officially fucking go time. It's regular season mode. Steelers time, baby. Not Steelers week yet. That shit's coming next week. All of us are itching for that. But Steelers next on the hit list, baby. Listen, we're going to clear that team by fucking 20 points. Like zero, zero excuses. Zero excuses. We all know that. We all know what they are. We know what they got. And it's a fucking shit show. With quarterback. Lackluster. Blah. Not even mid, bro. Buns. Like, not it. Ain't got a shot against the best. Ain't got a shot against the best. Can't wait for it. But we're going to go ahead and hop into preseason game three recap. Um, You know, considering it was a couple nights ago. If you guys haven't got wind, you know, or maybe you missed the majority of the game. Maybe you weren't able to watch it at all. Um, I'm glad to be able to give you guys a rundown on some of the things. Um, obviously got the dub. No one really cares. I mean, uh, no, this one definitely does matter more because it's against the Rams. Um, the Trent Irwin show, let's get it. Bro had like four catches on four plays in a row. Super impressive for him. He was catching everything in his vicinity. So good for him. Um, liked what I saw to Kendrick Pryor. Obviously Trent Irwin. Uh, Travion Williams got a lot of touches. Um, annoyed as shit and confused on why Chris Evans was getting a carry with one minute and 26 seconds left in the fourth quarter of preseason game three. That doesn't make me feel good. I don't like that at all. Surely he's going to make this team. Don't worry. Chris Evans is making the fucking football team. Do not worry. Jackson Carmen played the entire game and played like dog shit. Dog shit. Bro played like dog shit. Gosh. Dude's been such a disappointment. It sucks, man. Like, you play four full quarters of preseason game three, and you're getting bull rushed in the second half against fucking roster guys, fringe roster guys, guys that aren't even going to make the fucking team. He's getting a bull, he's getting bull rushed from a dude from fucking Brown University. Bro, Brown University is where people go for with 4.3333 GPAs, bro. And they go to be fucking lawyers and doctors. That's what this dude that he's going against is going to be in two years. That dude's going to be making a milli in a fucking science lab, bio lab. 
and Jackson's getting bull rushed by him. Getting straight fucked by a neuroscientist. I don't get it. But it's disappointing. You see a guy out there that's not confident in his game. He's not confident in his ability. It's like, uh, try. Try, bro, try. You haven't seen it out of him. It sucks. He had some positive moments in um, in camp, but it certainly did not show up in the games when it mattered most. Yes, Carmen's going to make this team. But he plays like this next year. He surely will not. Surely will not. It sucks. But it is what it is. We'll see what uh, transpires with Carmen. But who really cares about preseason game three? Okay, no, no, no. This does matter. Now, I'll mention this because a lot of people have tried to stir up shit about it. No, Jake Browning's not coming for the QB2 spot. He's not. Look, it's not just about performance in preseason games. About what? About who's going to get a backup job. Joe loves Brandon Allen. Not that he doesn't love Jake Browning, but he knows Brandon Allen. Brandon Allen's been here the entire time Joe has been here. They're bros. He knows the system. He's been here the entire time. And he's won us football games. Jake Browning has never played in an NFL football game. Ever. A regular season game. I'm sorry. He has never played in a regular season game. He has never even dressed. Oh, sorry. He dressed like two times for a regular season game. Brandon Allen has won regular season games. Look, there's a reality that these guys do not step on the field one single time. One single play next year. There's a reality a possibility of that. So I think people are looking too much into it. Oh, shit. Jake Browning should be quarterback too. Brandon Allen ain't getting it done. Is Jake Browning going to get it done? Yes, he looked good. He looked really good. And it was really fun to watch him. He was confident. He was mobile in the pocket. A little bit more mobile than Brandon. Looked a little bit more swagalicious out there. Looked a little bit more confident. Brandon's a pretty pretty uh, laid-back, chill dude. Kind of like some Andy shit, but... Look, they're not going to shake up the pot. Don't poke the fucking bear. Don't cut Joe Burrow's homie, his right-hand man, Brandon Allen, in the quarterback room all the time that's with him when you don't need to. Brandon's getting like 1.5 mil this year, bro. Like, it's okay. Jake Browning's going to last onto the practice squad. It'll be just fine. So that's it right there. Yes, Jake Browning had a great performance. What was it, like 24 to 20, 20 for 24 or some shit? Like 175 and one tutty? Nice. You're going to be our quarterback three? Good for you. All right, so that's it for the preseason game. The most exciting part was that it's over. The most exciting part about preseason game three is that it's preseason game three. That means it's the end of preseason. That's the most exciting shit. Guys, I'm going to go in on recapping the offseason and just leading up to the season overall. Um, you know, it's been such a fast offseason. What a blessing. It's been so fun, so enjoyable. Like, that's the best part, right? Like, the NFL has done such a phenomenal job with keeping the offseason 
active and making it as active as possible because the last thing you want is to go completely dormant and for fans to become disconnected with the NFL experience by the time it comes back. You never want that to happen. So shouts out to the NFL, all the franchises that have done great things to raise awareness on, hey, we're still here when there's no football on Sundays, Mondays, and Thursdays, and Saturdays. So huge kudos to them. Got the draft. They added so much hype around the um, schedule release, and it's worked. They've added hype around OTAs, hype around training camps, hype around pre-draft process, the combine. So, like, what's really cool with the NFL is that it's, like, there is nothing that's not happening that's, like, somewhat significant compared to, off, you know, for off-season standards, which is pretty small, within a four- to five-week window. You have the combine. Then you have, um, let me think here. Then you have real pre-draft process that starts to steam up at the end of March. Then you have, from the end of March, with pre-draft process really heating up, or, or sorry, <laughs> fucking duh, free agency. Yo, fucking free agency. Goddamn. Where was my mind at? So you got Super Bowl, middle of February, combine into February, so two weeks. Uh, three weeks later, you have free agency. Fucking huge. The biggest part of the offseason. The biggest part of the offseason. Um, middle, uh, middle of March, towards the end of March, end of April, five weeks draft and then just days after that a week rookie mini camp then um a month from then five weeks four or five weeks otas four or five weeks from that fucking training camp two weeks from that preseason four weeks from preseason da 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 regular season we all know it you know what i'm saying that's really impressive to bring it back specifically with us Bengals, how awesome it's been for us to be in the Super Bowl. It's felt like by far and literally has been the fastest offseason ever. NFL season starting sooner and ending later. And get no better than that. It's just been a great offseason. It's been fun. This team's gotten better. Better in almost every single facet of their team. This team has gotten better. Every single area. Every single fucking area. Three tech? Mm. We'll see. Like, we'll say right now, yes, it's regressed a bit. We'll say one out of ten, the level, like, one being the slightest, ten being a huge regression. It's like a three? Three to four? Zach Carter can really be something. Josh Tupo is who he is, and he's going he's going to play some more significant snaps this year. You know, he he's really the three tech nose tackle type of guy, but we can get more production from him. So it's just been a great offseason, great draft picks, great production, guys. We had no significant injuries, like. Dead ass, I'm taking a moment of silence just for gratitude from that shit. Praising the Lord. For real. 
Like, we have had no significant injuries so far. Yes, it's the NFL. Any day, injuries can happen. You can have more than one in a day. But they've gone through all of this process. Okay. Yes, you've dealt with some setbacks. Like, of course, nobody more important than Joey B. TT recovering from his shoulder. Same with Logan. Guys coming back. But we haven't had guys go out for the year. Not a single guy. We've missed. Like, guys have been, quote-unquote, lucky for missing significant injuries. So it's great stuff. Great stuff. Healthy. Can't ask for anything more than that. So, of the offseason and all of its fun festivities and improvements this team has made, some of the guys that have really made a big impression on me so far from this offseason, it's not exactly in order, but just some names that have stood out to me. Obviously, the number one guy I think that we think of with the step, the clear step up that's been made in their game, is Jamar Chase. The dude's unguardable. He's elite. He's the best receiver, most elite receiver in football. Like, it's just reality people he is not a normal nfl player let me say it again he's not a normal nfl player let alone a normal human being bro you're in the nfl everybody's got elite ability he's the elite of the elite ability he's at the precipice of elite and to see him just to continue to not only polish but level up in facets of his game like route running, getting in and out of its breaks in an even sharper manner, a more professional manner. I mean, he's stronger. He's faster. His IQ for the game has gone up in the system. He's more confident. Really? I mean, this dude is destined for greatness, real greatness. So, of course, Jamar's my first guy. Another guy... No other than obvious every season we've seen it. Every step this dude has taken is nothing short of impressive. Joey B. Frustrating. The dude has not had a single normal offseason yet. We've heard it many times. You come into a fucking COVID pandemic, you can't meet your teammates till the middle of fucking July. Shitty. Um, 2021, you're recovering from an absolutely demolished fucking knee. And 2022, you have to fucking get your epi- or appendix ripped out. And you get appendicitis, leaking toxicity into your body, toxins. Bro has been going through it, but he's been growing through it. Don't forget the R in that motherfucker. That's Joe right there. The average person goes through it, he grows through it. It's exactly what he's done. As soon as he's came back, he's been that dude. Just as accurate as ever. The most accurate quarterback in football. Statistics back it up. Oh, man. So, yeah. I mean, Joe Burrow, no other than. Dax Hill going to another guy. Incredible. He's exactly what I learned about him to be at, for the player who was at Michigan. When, we saw him, when I saw him pre-draft... And post-draft, 
I'm like, holy shit. This dude's a fucking dog. This is not a normal guy on the field. When you see him play on the defensive football field, he's the best player on the fucking field. That's what we're seeing in the NFL. That's what we're seeing with this team in practice, in OTAs, in rookie minicamp, in training camp, in preseason games. He's the same dude. I told you guys, I've talked a ton about him. I fucking love this kid. I am so glad we drafted Daxton Hill. I never thought I would be this happy that we drafted a safety in this situation in 2022. But damn, am I so glad we did. Grateful for that kid. He is going to give us the most elite safety trio that we have seen in some time. And not only with him, but other great guys in that safety room. The best safety room that this league has seen in some time. Just depth, quality, experience, talent over everything. It's phenomenal. So, of course, Dax Hill. Von Bell taking a step forward. Just incredible leader. He's a pro's pro, and I don't say that lightly. Yes, it may sound cliche, but it's fucking truth. You know what? Cliche is always fucking truth, so fucking listen to it. For those that are like, ah, cliche, whatever. Nah, this dude is the truth. He's a phenomenal leader. There's a reason he became a captain. His first after months of being here. Because he's phenomenal. He's really, really fucking good at what he does. He's a damn good Safety. Damn good. He's had a great, great offseason. Interceptions after interceptions after interceptions. You don't really think of Von Bell being the ball hawk type because he's a guy that's going to get in the box, get fucking close to the line of scrimmage, and get a fucking tackle. Make shit happen. That hard hit and got. That hard hit and do. Guys, he's everywhere in that defensive backfield. It's been crazy. Even the two days I got to see him. PPUs after PPUs. He's. He's always near the ball. Phenomenal leader. What a great opportunity it was for him. While going through the breakdown with his right-hand man, Jesse Bates, being gone, he was able to step up and become an even better version of himself. Not only EQ, IQ with leading young men, but as a player. He had to handle more on the fucking field. And he came up to the task. He's risen to the occasion. Von Bell, surely. Mike Thomas, the safety. Like, I don't know if I mentioned... I think I did mention this on one of the previous episodes, guys. Just think about this. This dude has not played a ton of games in his career at the safety position. He has not. Yes, that's what he is, but he's a premier special teamer. This dude is 31 years old. I don't know the exact number, but I think he's in his 11th season in the NFL. This dude, a predominant special teamer, has been in the league for 11 years. No, he's not a punter, not a long snapper, not a kicker. That's impressive as fuck. And of course, you can't just be a special teamer. Unless if you're like legendary Matthew Slater. You know, it's not those, you know, premier key special teams positions. He's a phenomenal veteran presence, too. They call him Uncle Mike. He's such a mature, pure-hearted dude. Just so genuine. He means what he says, and he says what he means. And he fucking walks it on the fucking field. He's a damn good backup safety. He produced well in the preseason, in the preseason games he played. 
He's gotten some interceptions. He got two interceptions on Joey B. One on Joey B, I should say. One on Jay Browning in one practice. Super impressive shit. Mike Thomas, a dude that has done nothing but impressed. What an impressive pickup for the Bengals to make in the middle of the season. I think we got him last year. Just super low-key guy. Like when we picked him up, I was like, eh, whatever. Looked him up, I was like, oh shit. Oh shit. This dude has some some starting experience, but he's a predominant special teamer. Okay. Wow. Pro Bowl special teamer. All right. He's still that dude at 31 years old. So shout out to Michael Thomas. Michael A. Thomas, the safety. Awesome shit. The other guy. My favorite. My favorite. Eli motherfucking Apple. I've said it many times, but I'm going to tell you guys again. So you can follow me on my Eli, Eli Apple train. I'm getting a lot of people coming on this motherfucker, guys. Choo-choo! Eli is proving himself to not just be a cornerback two for this football team, but a quality cornerback two in this league. Eli looks better than he ever has before in this league. He is going against Jamar Chase every single day, T. Higgins every single day, and sometimes Tyler Boyd every single day. Jamar Chase is the best receiver in football. T. Higgins is becoming one of the top receivers in football. You're going to sharpen. You're going to get better. Yes, Eli is about who he is. He's been in the league. This is his sixth year. 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21st, 27th year. Holy shit, that's crazy. I think so. Eli Apple in his seventh season. You're only going to develop or get so much better at this age. Eli's doing just that at this age. He looks really good. There's a reason he hasn't played a single snap in this in this preseason. And above all, I've said it so many times, but I love you know to just make this connection so it resonates with everybody. For those who are still super, like, ridiculously critical of Eli, yes, people poke fun. They think it's fun to shit on Eli Apple, but they don't know that he's a damn good football player. He has proven us Bengals fans. And outside fans still don't want to accept it. They're in denial. Fine. They have proven us wrong. He's proven us wrong. Again and again and again. And now he's starting to prove me fucking right. That he's that dude, damn it. Can't wait for him to ball out this year. I can't wait. I can't wait. So, of course, Eli Apple was on this list. Deservedly so. There's multiple other guys, but I don't want to make this too long because I got a couple other segments to get to and big points. Lots of shit going on right now. We all know it. So the last guy I'm going to mention, last group of guys I'm going to mention is the O-line. Let's start with Cordell Volson. <clears throat> I'm not a guy that uh, needs to loathe or uh, uh, bathe in my... You know, in my success or whatever, I don't care to do that. But you guys know I like to fuck around sometimes. I get silly. I get goofy. I'm a champion this for a bit. For all y'all who listen to this podcast, pretty loyal to the B-Things Instagram account. Thank you. Y'all know, May 1st, 
or May 2nd, whatever fucking day it was on day three of that draft, two hours after Cordell Volson was drafted, I said this dude's going to be our starting left guard week one of the 2022 season. A lot of people weren't ready for it. Hey, shout out to many other people. They were as well. They were like, yo, I can see it. Let's go. The guy has the tools. He's a winner. And above all, above all, for what this team needs, he is the IQ, get ready, EQ, emotional intelligence. He's driven. The kid's driven. He's hungry. Unlike people like Jackson Carmen, sadly. I'm not here to just completely shit on the dude and be apathetic towards the guy. But we know some hit and some don't. Jackson Carmen's a fat whiff. A fat whiff. That dude is not starting at all this year. Zero. There is no shot of this happening again this year. Cordell Volson could struggle. Jackson Carmen is not taking that fucking starting job, guys. I can almost guarantee it. So, to get more on the positive side with Cordell Volson, the thing that's impressed me the most with Cordell and the situation around this left guard spot is that for so many years, we had to go with what was, we had to go with the mentality of what is less worse? What is the least bad of this situation? Because sadly, we were encapsulated with dog shit, dog shit all throughout this whole line for years. So we're like, okay, who's the least worst guy that we can start? You know what I'm saying? Think about that, guys. Who is the least fucking bad dude on this team that we can start? Always the fucking bullshit we had to deal with. Lackluster. Shitty. Flat out shitty guys. That's not the case with Cordell Volson. Yes, we had to deal with the same shit I just talked about. Flat out shitty play of Jackson Carmen. But you have legitimately impressive play from Cordell Volson. Like, I've, I've gone on it. I've gone over it many times. This, so for this to not be a case of, oh man, we got to go with the least shitty guy, but we're going with the clear-cut best dude is such a good feeling. It's relieving, guys. It's fucking relieving. It's a damn good feeling. No, no, we can't get too carried away to think Cordell's like some cornerstone guard for the next decade for this Cincinnati Bengals franchise to lead us, to help guide us to multiple Super Bowls with Joey B. No, it's not what I'm saying. But damn it, he's got everything to fucking do it. And he's proven everything. You've wanted a Division II four-time out of four out of five-year winning championship type of player. The dude won four championships in five years at North Dakota State. He knows what it takes to be a winner. He's hungry like he's never fucking won. That's the type of dude you need. A dude that fucking wins but acts like and feels like he never has. That's the type of person you want. That's what Cordell Wilson is. That's pretty much it with Cordell. And the last thing I'm going to hit on for guys that have made a really big impression on me is... Alex Kappa, Ted Karras, and Lael. With the limited thing with the limited time that we've seen from these guys, some more than others, 
Ted the most, Alex the second most, Lael the third most. They are who we thought they were. Like I said, of course, no preseason play, not a ton, you know, of 11-on-11 work, even though Alex has gotten all of the 11-on-11 work so far this offseason, still not a ton. They look like who we thought they were coming in. It's a great sign. Can't wait for the regular season, and you hope that that continues. You hope that after the first four, six, eight weeks of the season, we are assured with a, without a shadow of a doubt that what I just said is the same. These guys are who, who we thought they were. These are the dudes. These are the three guys that are going to help solidify the right side of this O-line. Oh, shit. Jonah Williams has taken that step forward that we were looking for and we were expecting. Oh, shit. Cordell Volson is playing competent. We don't, need Cord- we don't need Cordell to be some Pro Bowl left guard. We don't need him to. Fuck, we'd love him to. Don't expect it. But damn it, to play competent football is definitely not a task that's out of Cordell Volson's grasp. So. Um, that's pretty much it for my segment of guys that have made a big impression on me so far this offseason. Obviously, Finish it off. Many other guys that made impressions, but I don't want to make this shit too long. We are already 30 minutes in. I got some other shit I want to get to. Yep, so longer episode today. Um, You know, obviously wrapping up preseason and not only switching to the regular season, but all this shit right in the middle. Just a big pile of shit, which consists of guys that were on the roster that are no longer going to be on the roster. And you have some guys that are fringe guys. You think, are they going to make it? Are they going to not? You have a cluster that you look at. You're like, who the fuck is that guy? think that's all you need to know. Not going to make it. And then you have the huge clump of guys that's obviously, without a shadow of a doubt, going to make this team. Let's hit on some of those fringe guys. Let's hit on the guys in the middle. So, some big spots to help... Um, Circulate myself down into some of the fringe roster guys as position groups like cornerback. No, the depth isn't great of talent, but it's solid. It's it's comfort. It's like you saw many good things with the depth of this cornerback room. Like I said, no, you're not having some like formal Pro Bowl veteran guy on this depth chart for now. Who knows? But you like what you've seen. Like, guys that seem like fringe roster guys, like Jalen Davis, um, uh, ironically, it's kind of shallow thinking of Jalen Davis because you're down Cam Taylor Britt, Eli Apple wasn't in. So, guys like Jalen Davis and Alan George, I think Alan George is going to make this football team, but there could be a reality and I think this will be the reality that Alan George is a real fringe guy on this roster overall, not just for the room. So are guys like Kendrick Pryor. If I had to assume, I think Kendrick Pryor's over Kwame Laster, maybe just a bit, but they're kind of in the same cluster, if I'm thinking of the Bengals' lenses. But back with the cornerback room, you like the depth. And Jalen Davis has really formed a nice back end roster role for himself. He's confident in it. he's confident in his role. One thing I was mentioning on Twitter Spaces that 
the biggest thing that the coaches need to see from these guys, these back-end roster guys that they don't talk about, is confidence. You need to be confident. Now, let me tell you. Let me show you a quick example just to really exemplify this and hit it home so you understand this reality. This is not opinion. It's reality and truth. Look at Stanley Morgan. He's, he was a fringe roster guy for his first three years on the team. But what has he shown when he got on the field and, you know, was playing and made the most of his opportunities? He was confident. He was confident in himself. That's the thing. When a player forms a discrepancy in their mind that they are confident in their ability, but they don't think the coaches are confident in their ability, there's a big friction there. Easy example, Darius Phillips. He had confidence in himself, confidence in himself. The team did not form a lot of confidence in him. It's because of the discrepancy in play, which is reality, but he started to really let that defeat him, and it unfortunately came to the demise of his production. Turning out really fucking bad. Yeah, we will never forget the two-muffed two punt game for Darius Phillips. Literally, the dude vanished after that, except to get released. He vanished as if he was released, but was not. That's an example of a guy that had a discrepancy in their mind and created friction with the confidence that they thought they had, and the coaches had something different, and it created a problem. Guys like Stan, knowing as same thing with Darius Phillips and Stanley Morgan, guys that are fringe roster or back-end roster guys, if you can create confidence within yourself and create a empowering mentality for yourself in the role that you're in, whether you're dissatisfied with it or not, obviously they were. They're fucking backup dudes. They were star college players. You want to fucking start. That's what your identity is. You're a starter. You're a quality contributor to a football team, but you're not in this elite league of the NFL. How confident and empowering can you build yourself up to be? That's what a back-end roster guy that can create something for himself from there, level up to a potential starter, a key contributor, that's what they do. That's what they do. So a good example is Stanley Morgan, a guy that has leveled up. Because every time he stepped on the field from 2019, 2020, 2021, and now 2022, he was a confident player. He's confident in his role. Coaches are more, feel more excelled to put you onto the football field. All right, Stan, you're a happy-go-lucky dude. You're a fucking shining light in this locker room. You're confident on the football field. No, you're not the most talented guy in our room. You're not the most talented receiver. You're not a starter. But we like you. So we're going to put you at Gunner for a couple snaps. See how you do. Oh, shit. You're confident out there. All right. Well, we love your fucking attitude. You raise the boats of the energy each snap. We're going to put you out there more. Oh, shit. It continues to recirculate confidence. So to bring it back with guys like Jalen Davis, it's a great thing to see. And that's what makes me proud. Almost proud because I dealt with some of that in my personal experience in football. Confidence. I had confidence issues. So to see it play out in this room for guys like Jalen Davis and Alan George, guys that are playing confident and are confident like all around. They're confident even though they are dissatisfied with where they are. They have aspirations to be better and belief in themselves that they will get better. Those are the guys that coaches feel more compelled to stick around, to keep around. 
I can see Alan George making the team. He's produced really fucking well. We all talked about the production. I just really wanted to hit on the mental side. Because I think it's really important and it's an underlying thing. It is the biggest thing. The biggest thing. Um. So, I guess... I Nah, one thing I want to do is give you guys a rundown of the corners who I think are going to make the roster. Um. One... Obviously, Chidobe. Two, Eli Apple. Three, Mike Hilton. Four, Trey Flowers. Five, CTB. Six, Jalen Davis. Seven, Alan George. That's who I think the seven corners will be. Maybe, maybe a scenario they keep six. If so, Alan is the odd man looking out. I, He will not beat out Jalen Davis because of experience, and we have no backup slot. Period. Jalen Davis is the backup slot corner. So his role is pretty fixated, specific, and thus secured. So to hop over to the receiver depth, this is where it gets fun. So say we keep Alan George on this football team. If we keep seven corners, there's a really high chance that we keep six receivers. If you keep six receivers... My six receivers are Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Trent Taylor, Stanley Morgan, Mike Thomas. May may not be what people wanted to hear, want to hear, or want it to be, but I think that's what it's going to be. I I want it to be Kendrick Pryor. I just think I want it to. It's kind of like the same scenario with Chris Evans to Samaj P. Ryan because you know what Mike Thomas is. Ugh. You fucking know what he is. It's mid. No, it's not even mid. It's just not that good. But that's the reason why he's a back-end roster guy. But I like his confidence. Boom. That's a huge thing of what it is. A guy that's confident in his role and experienced. So not only was he confident to begin, and his game more confidence through his experience, it's made him bring out the most in his game and do the same thing this offseason. If we keep seven receivers, though, the seventh receiver is Kendrick Pryor. Kendrick Pryor. It's little. Maybe maybe it's just me, but what I saw in preseason game three was when Lasseter muffed that punt and then later ran backwards on like just a shitty-ass return on a punt, I felt like he lost his confidence a bit. And I felt like it showed just a bit in his production. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm completely wrong. But, say if he did lose his confidence. What did I just spit about a few months ago? Confidence. These coaches need to know that every single fucking player that is dressed on Sundays are confident. If Kwame Lasseter's confidence really took a hit, what what happens if he has to be pulled into a game as a receiver three, a receiver four? Like what? Like you know what I'm saying? Yes, it seems a little far fetched. I know it does, but it's a reality, guys. You need a guy to fucking exemplify it with shining passing colors without the shadow of a doubt that you will remain confident and be the absolute best to yourself 
for yourself and thus for this football team. Without the shadow of a doubt, I feel like Kwame showed a little bit of you know, confidence breach at that time. Of course they're battling with that. You have to be fucking battle-tested when you're a fringe roster guy. I'm not saying it's a real thing. It may even not. I don't fucking know. I just feel like I saw it. But to get beyond that, their production's super similar. Kawami, he's more elusive than Kendrick, but damn, Kendrick looked good out there, guys. We've seen the highlights. We've fucking seen him. Kid's a fucking baller. He just looks like he was too good to be out there against those guys. I'd love to see him make the 53. I just really don't know. I can't guarantee it. But I can guarantee this. I can guarantee this. One of those three guys are making this 53-man roster. Alan George, Kendrick Pryor, or Kawami Laster. One of them are. So receiver depth is looking nice. But that's nice within the confines of our standards right now. Then you ask, what are the standards? Well, the standards are guys like Trent Taylor, the most experienced backup receivers on this football team. Are there better receiver fours out there? Yes. We can do better because there's going to be a lot of guys that are cut that we that are going to be surprise cuts that this team can add as a number four. Fuck, I want fucking Odell Beckham Jr., bro. I want to go big. As soon as he recovers from that ACL in the latter part of the season, I want him. Let's create the best fucking quartet this league has ever fucking seen. Let's fucking get it. That's what I want. But within the confines of what we have, which is not good, you guys know what I've, what I've said all offseason with this uh, fucking back-end receiver room. Like, are we confident with Trent Taylor starting in week five? God forbid an injury happens to one of our guys. Eh. I am more than any other guy. Are we confident? God forbid, surely two of our guys go down? No one can rule out the reality of Jamar Chase and T. Higgins being out for a game or two. What if they're out for two games and you're stuck with Trent Taylor, Mike Thomas, and Tyler Boyd? Ugh! Ugh! Gives me chills down my fucking spine. It should yours too. That is what I'm talking about. So within the confines of what we have, these guys were maxing out their abilities. So great! But... That bar is low, bro. We all know it. I'm all for getting a quality, competent, real, real receiver for. Real backup. We need that shit. So I'll tell you this right now. God forbid it happens, but say Trent Taylor has to put up 500 yards for this team this season. We ain't going to be nearly as good as we thought. If Mike Thomas gives you 380, 420 yards this season... Your team is not going to be that good on offense. I promise you that. I promise you. You don't want that. You don't want it. You don't want it because that means that your stars are out and you've had to rely on a dude that's not nearly as good to get production. When you're having your guys, your key players, that aren't that good getting the production, you're not going to be that good. Is it complicated? No. But people don't put two and two together and it's kind of fucking weird. 
like delusional ass Browns fans thinking Jacoby Brisket's gonna come in and fucking ball out for him with fucking lackluster Amari Cooper that he's been for his entire year. Fucking whoever the fuck David Bell, Anthony Swartz, DPJ, or Donovan Peoples Jones. Like, what are we doing? Let's not be those people, guys. Let's not be those people. Let's see it. Let's have some IQ, situational awareness. So, long story short, let's get a fucking real receiver for it. All right, I need to wrap this shit up. It's going real long, but we got lots of shit. I've had a hit. So, I hope you guys have enjoyed it so far. Thank you for listening to the All Things Bengals podcast. Got a couple more things here. Guys, it seems like Drew Christmas won the starting job to me. He's just got a stronger leg. And there's been no problems with the holding. Kevin, as sharp as attack when it comes to his holding. So the pressure was on for Drew to see, mm, are you going to flinch at all with holding? Nope, he is not at all. The dude has been damn good doing that part. So good for him. Good for fucking him. He's got the stronger leg and he's a lot younger. Now, what is hard? What I mentioned in some Twitter spaces, I brought up an interesting question today. Kevin Huber, if I'm not mistaken, I think this number's right, has played 213 games for this franchise. Tied most ever with Ken Riley. He wants to break that franchise record. He looks the best he ever has coming in this offseason, but look, he's a fucking, like, 34, 35-year-old punter. Your leg's not going to get stronger, bro. We know that. He knows that. Everybody knows it. And it is not. If anything, it's slightly regressed. So, an interesting point I want to point out and to connect back with my macro here is I was listening to the um, Hear That Podcast Ground with the Athletic with the Athletics, Paul Tanner and Jay Morrison. They're awesome reporters for the Bengals. Do a phenomenal job. They have a phenomenal podcast. If you haven't listened to Hear That Podcast Growling on all platforms, definitely got to listen to it. One of my favorite. But a really good point Paul made that's so true and extremely low-key. Preseason game three, all Cincinnati natives went out there for the coin toss. You may think off top after hearing that, oh, you know, it's because they're in Cincy, you know, preseason game three, want to do things, you know, a little bit customized that aren't so traditional for a regular season. Yeah, that's right. That's, yeah, that makes total sense. Or did you not want to make it too obvious that this is going to be Kevin Huber's last game, the Cincinnati native? Putting two and two together now. Once Paul brought that up, I was like, oh, shit. It makes all the sense in the fucking world. Not only that, both Paul and Drew. So it's like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, get him involved for one last time. Either of those guys involved. But Drew's been better. Drew's been better. So you would never want a scenario to say, hey, Kevin, go be our sole captain for the coin toss in this game. What is that going to say? What would that show? Questions would come up. Why? Why? Is this sayonara? Are you giving me the sign early? You know what I'm saying? Really interesting point from Paul, and it's valid. 
I think this may be the end of the road for Kevin. So with that, say Kevin gets cut by 4 p.m. tomorrow. 13-year vet. Thank you for your service, Kev. Think of this to yourself. Let me know what you think. Text me, whatever. If you listen to the podcast, I'd appreciate it if you give me, you know, uh, if you could give this show a five-star rating, whatever rating you want to give it. If I suck ass, let me know. Hey, need some improvement? Or if I'm great, I'd love five stars. But comment, text me, let me know what you think of this. Should the Bengals, in the scenario they cut Kevin, bring him back for a game, say against the Steelers, one time this this season, you sign him to the 53, one last game, one punt, give him a standing ovation, (laughs) Kevin Huber breaks the all-time franchise record for games played. The dude graduated from St. Nicholas High School in Cincinnati, Ohio. The dude played at UC in Cincinnati, Ohio. The dude played on a Super Bowl team from a bottom dweller through all the opposition, through all the tribulations he's been through with his team to play on a Super Bowl team in Cincinnati. Get him on this roster for one more game. Give him that fucking franchise record. That's one perspective. Or it's, hey, Kevin, thank you for your services. We love you. Always Kevin Hughes forever. We're on to a young, sharper guy. Let me know what you guys think. So, yeah, I think Drew Christmas won that job. Cal Adamitis, nah, he didn't do enough. His one long snap he had on a field goal led to Evans' miss because the snap was high. No, I'm not making a complete excuse and say because solely the snap was high led to the miss, but he snapped the ball high. The punter, Kevin Huber, Drew Christmas, I don't know who was holding it, is put in a disadvantageous situation trying to, you know, reach out of his fucking, you know, lengthen himself as far as he can, come back down, fucking hold that ball. That fourth of a second could fuck up everything. And it caused Evan to kick it wide left. That dude ain't getting the job. Because Clark Harris has not lost a touch. The dude's sharp as a fucking tack. And he's the best. So go Clark Harris. I think he's going to make the team. Um, And the last thing I'll point to you guys for in this podcast you guys got to put this into perspective. 864 players are being cut from Sunday, yesterday, by 4 p.m. on Tuesday. 4 p.m. Eastern time on Tuesday. 864 players. There's going to be a cluster of guys that are really going to get this team's attention. Yes, we got... uh, the thirty fourth, the thirty first waiver priority because we're a Super Bowl team. So lots of teams are going to have the option to pick at these guys or get a look at them or sign them ahead of us. But there's going to be hundreds of guys that fall to us that we could get. We could find our fourth receiver. We could find our competent, legit backup left guard. We could find a legit receiver six. We could find improvements. So above all, guys. It's no time to panic. The Bengals got a hell of options. And specifically, nicely, we got Quentin Spain in our back pocket. I'm going to wrap this shit up, guys. By far my longest episode. Fucking tired. But appreciate you guys. Love all of you. Um, lots of great shit going on. We getting ready for the regular season, baby. 
We're getting ready for the regular season. Practice should be back on Wednesday. Shit's going to roll as normal. We got 53 guys siphoning all the bullshit, all the fluff, all the guys that just aren't made for the NFL out. And we are getting our best 53 out there. Getting ready for fucking Akilah Witherspoon, Levi Wallace, and that Steelers weak-ass secondary, and Kenny Pick 6, and Mitchell Trubisky, and Mason Red-Nosed Reindeer Rudolph. What a fun time to be a Bengals fan. What a fun fucking time. Thank you guys for listening to the All Things Bengals podcast. I'll be back for Wednesday after their practice. Peace.